What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Clinical Mastermind Podcast. I am your host, Dan Pringle, and today we talk about the dissection of a patella. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Clinical Mastermind Podcast. I am your host, Dan Pringle. For more information, check us out at www.clinicalmastermind.com. And you can also visit me uh, primarily on Instagram at dpringle.physio. Today I've got uh, a really interesting clip for you relating to the function of the patella. So I, uh, a number of years ago, started going to a dissection course down in Tempe, Arizona. It was a dissection of unembalmed cadavers. So what that means is there was no uh, embalming process. These are wet cadavers, which means that you can uh, cut a vessel and it bleeds. Their fluid dynamics are very much intact. So rather than just staring at it like we do in a 2D manner on, uh, you know, through an anatomy book or in a th- even in a 3D manner like we might in an anatomy app, this is a really integrated way to see not only all of those features in a, in a much more comprehensive way, but we also get a chance to see how they are related to the fluid dynamics. So we talk about blood vessels, we talk about the fluid within the fascial connections and how that plays a big role in connectivity of the system. And so this was an amazing opportunity for, uh, for me to check it out. And it's one of the reasons I did it four years in a row. So every year, the way the setup is, is you get an opportunity to spend some time uh, on your own specific project. Everyone kind of picks their own. But you can really stop any time and check out someone else's project. And so while I'm working on the patellar region, someone else is working on the scapula. And I could stop what I was doing and check out the suprascapular nerve or check out what was happening uh, with the glenohumeral joint in certain positions and how that was impacted by a clavicular function or whatever it might be. And so pretty quickly, uh, you get this huge body of information regarding the you know how the body actually functions the connectivity and uh, if you're careful rather than just looking to see the muscles in situ you can pick up a lot of subtleties and uh, and that's what this uh, this episode this little clip coming up for you uh, is all about it um, it was my first time down in Tempe doing this course and uh, I really wanted to uh, explore uh, the uh, the thigh area and the knee area. I had a number of knee patients, and while I felt pretty comfortable with what uh, what I was doing and getting some results, and I had some clarity of what I was doing, I didn't really have a full understanding of what was happening at a anatomical level, at a neurophysiological level, and so that interest and that uh, curiosity led me to pick that region, the thigh and the anterior knee, as my primary area uh, of dissection in that first. Uh, course. So it was five days. I had that limb and I basically spent the entire time you know, m- meticulously going from one layer to the next. And, uh, and so this is going to highlight what's, what's uh, one of the biggest takeaways that I've ever had uh, through the dissection courses and in its relationship to anatomy because it's been extrapolated in many places throughout the body as far as my practice is concerned. And that has to do with the role of the skin uh, over the patellar region and how much of a factor it plays in the function of the uh, of the patella and also of the entire uh, lower leg. So check this out, listen to this episode here, um, check in with me afterwards, right immediately afterwards, I'm going to give you a little bit more context and how that affects my practice. But uh, just to throw in a couple little tips here, I am going to mention things like microconditioning. It's a manual technique we use. Uh, it's, a, it's part of uh, uh, the, uh, the course run at McMaster uh, up here in Hamilton in Ontario. And, uh, and is a big part 
part of the hands-on work we do. We don't do a lot of mobilizations or anything like that of the joints, but we do a lot of uh, focused soft tissue work that's not compressive. Uh, for, for more, you can definitely check out the, uh, the program there to, to learn uh, how you can acquire uh, that skill set. But uh, you're also going to hear me talk a lot about acupuncture and, uh, and some of the techniques that we might use in relation to that region. It's one of the things that we incorporate in, in this case, and we find it to be very effective both locally and more globally relating to knee pain and, and many other problems. So stay tuned for uh, future episodes where you hear a little bit more about those different techniques and how we might integrate them. For now, we'll stick to the patella. So check out this clip, and I'll share my thoughts a little bit more after the fact. I had a patient who had had a meniscus surgery um, in the months prior to that. And I'd spent a lot of time working in and around the patella. She had limited flexion range and it was a really interesting area to me. And I was doing a lot of micro-conditioning at the time and it was working fantastically. And I wanted a little bit more clarity as to what we were doing, whether it was nerve, whether it was connective tissue, what was going on with this patellar area that was restricting range of motion and uh, and, and also having an impact on her symptoms in that area, as well as what might be affected by the surgery she had. <clears throat> so I started this section about mid-thigh, just because I had room to, to hack around a little bit as I figured out what I was doing with the scalpel. And once I got, uh, once I got a bit more comfortable, I started to work down kind of mid-thigh, so right in the anterior aspect. Uh, working down towards the patella, just taking the first layer of skin off. So we're not talking about deep layers of fascia. There's still an entire compartment consisting of all the quadriceps that remains untouched. So there's a, 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 a superficial fascia layer that's overlapping the entire muscular component of the thigh. And it, eventually, as I got better at it, it wasn't too difficult to work on this dissection through the distal third of the thigh. Uh, kind of peeling it both back medially and laterally. And what I found is that as we got lower and lower, it became a bit more difficult. So I wanted to understand the patella mechanics because typically, you know, this is what we learned in school, we've seen it in anatomy books and anatomy apps. The IT band seems to attach to the patellar retinaculum and has a big, big impact on the pull there. And I mean, I've, I've seen in courses and heard from other people and learned in school that it plays a big role in the patellar tracking. Mm -hmm. So does it track medially, does it track laterally too much, does it move enough, etc., etc. And we typically think of the retinaculum and the IT band. Now, when I'm doing this dissection superficially, we had absolutely uh, no impact on any of those structures. So we're totally intact. And I looked at patellar mobility beforehand. And it was actually a little bit decreased compared to normal. Before you dissected anything. Before I dissected anything beyond, say, the, the distal third of the thigh. Mm -hmm. Then as I went to dissect and got closer to the patella, what I found was there was a really, really restricted uh, tissue mobility in the skin over the, the, the patella. It took me a lot of work to really finally go over it. We're talking about half an hour as opposed to other areas that would take me, you know, a few minutes. And I'm slowly going over this area and every single time I'm just peeling off the, 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 that first layer. Just it's really skin. difficult. Yeah. yeah. And so what I, as soon as I got to the inferior aspect of the patella, the bottom of the patella, right away I rechecked the patella mobility and it was huge. It was so much more than normal. This would be, you know, pathologic for sure. It's hypermobility of the patella. And all I'd done was the skin. So the IT band was still there, the vernaculum was still there, the quads were still intact, they hadn't been touched. And so what that highlighted to me was how big of a role the skin plays in a lot of these dysfunctions. So when I'm micro-conditioning, when I've got someone with patellofemoral dysfunction, I'm using manual techniques to improve the mobility of the patella, 
I'm not just stretching and pulling on it. I'm using these intricate manual approaches to improve the mechanics and the gliding of the skin and these superficial layers over the patella. And when we do, you know what we get? We get great results. Big changes happen. Quickly too. Yeah. Big changes happen. Yeah, that was a really interesting one to hear about. I remember when you came back and told me about that. That's that's fascinating. And and you've seen it impact your, your practice like dramatically. Like now when you're micro conditioning, how is it how has it changed things? When you're doing manual techniques, are you a lot you don't go as deep? Or I certainly don't go as deep and I'm not trying to stretch the retinaculum or the IT man and right. knowing that it doesn't have an impact. Because it's clear to me that if I want to impact patellar mobility, the skin is the first place to go. And I'm looking carefully with my hands mm -hmm. to find those areas of restrictions, focusing on that, including some, some movement, so whether it's moving the patella or the knee or some combination mm -hmm. as I'm doing these techniques to try to improve mobility. Do you cup as well in that area? Uh, I have, it depends on the, on the person, it depends on the tissue quality. If we've got those trophic changes I was referring to earlier, then I may do it. It's a bit of a tough area because there's a lot of contours making it a bit more difficult to use cupping the way we do. Um, but I have an occasion with good success, especially post-surgically. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. How about needling for patellar mobility? Anything, anything that you learn from that dissection that you now do when you're trying to impact patellar mobility apart from the, just trying to affect kind of the mechanics of that first layer of tissue? Not so much from that, what I just described, the understanding that the relationship of the skin per se. So I'm not needling to improve the mobility of the skin. Right. But what I recognize is that there is this connectivity between all these different fascial planes and connective tissues around the whole thigh. So when I am looking to improve patellar mobility, I'm going to use needles that are going to get contractions that are going to pull proprioceptively on any of those tissues in the area. Mm -hmm. So VMO is a great target, vasolateralis lateralis is a great target, rectus femoris, the, the femoral nerve up at spleen 12, at the uh, femoral triangle, even the adductors. I'm going to use mm -hmm. anything that's going to change the tensional behavior of the entire thigh. And when I do that, I see patellar changes. Mm -hmm. I can needle the adductor longest and see patellar mobility changes. Uh, all because I'm understanding that the connective tissues are this continuum through which we can pull on the patella, increase the the uh, the mobility of those layers over the skin of the patella, and then at the same time impact the tissues and the contraction of the tissues. Then. Yeah, and I guess because it's in the skin, it speaks to the fact that anything that will target the L2, L3, L4 dermatomes yeah. will probably have a good effect too, and all those things will affect those segments along with going to the posterior primary airway, which we talked about with coming up and doing the multi-segmental for, for anterior knee pain oftentimes has a big effect. So that's kind of the connection there. That was, yeah, that was a fantastic one. When you came home and told me, I was like, what? Yeah. The skin. Yeah. The skin, right? Just the skin. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, so I have yeah. what I would say unbelievable success with pretty much all types of knee pain because of that yeah. understanding and mm -hmm. some of the other things we use. And uh, people have had a long history of knee pain. We've talked about um, that case that we, we did uh, a, a few weeks ago. It really makes a massive difference in the progress that we can make with people with long-standing patellar dysfunction, as well as more recent, as well as developmental as they're playing sports at a young age. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it makes a big, big difference. And that's really increased my clarity of what's going on when someone comes in with knee pain. Okay, that's a great clip. I really like uh, what I say there. It really highlights how we start thinking about these problems. Uh, obviously, the majority of that clip, I'm talking about the local problem. I'm talking about the connective tissue related to the patella. I'm breaking down some of these old paradigms that are based on 
you know, you can see where they came from, right? We can understand how we think the patella and the IT band are so closely related. We know that those fibers are attaching into the, the retinaculum and the, and the tissues the, on the lateral side. We know that there is this retinaculum more globally on the medial and lateral that have attachments to the patella. But if we look closely at the actual function of these tissues, and this was a great opportunity for me to do so, you start to appreciate that, that there really is quite a difference between what we see and what there is. And if we don't challenge our thoughts and really investigate and, and engage our curiosity in a meaningful way, then we maybe don't get this useful information. Regardless, I go from that local problem, and then by the end, Joe's asking me questions about acupuncture, and we're talking about how we could treat the lumbar spine and have an influence on knee pain. And in fact, that is something that we do quite often uh, with great results. So I think this highlights that not only are there lots of paradigms we need to move past if we want to get better at understanding the movement, the connective tissue, and the structural dimension, but we can't only operate in that one world. We need to seamlessly operate in both the, the more global system as well as in the local conditions and understand when we need to focus on one versus the other. It's something I talk a lot about and I think everyone could continue to improve upon. But uh, if we go back to some of these cases that we're going to see when it comes to patellar knee pain, it's jumper's knee, it's Osgood Schlatter's, it's patellofemoral pain syndrome. And, you know, one little things that I'll, I'll, I'll sidebar here is that anything that we just call a pain syndrome, it means that we don't really have a good idea of what it is, where it's coming from. And, and, and I don't really like giving people syndrome diagnoses because it doesn't really help. It just says basically you have pain around your knee. Um, so it doesn't help us in terms of figuring out what makes that person unique and what we need to do about it. So if I approach somebody with patellar area knee pain, I'm trying to ascertain pretty quickly whether it's a local problem of you know, nerve irritation around the infrapatellar branches of the saphenous nerve, whether it's some restriction in mobility of the patella, and how that ties into the entire tension around the thigh, uh, as well as the way that they move and the role of the ankle and the hip. You can't really focus on this in isolation. So even though this clip is all about focusing on that local soft tissue structure, we can't forget about how those areas are influenced by things around it. So when someone comes in with patellar dysfunction, I have to look at those other areas, but if I don't see anything significant, or even if I do, I'm still going to assess the local area. And when I do, I'm not judging the IT band, I'm not judging the retinaculum, and I'm not saying that, they're, you know, that, that I know for a fact the depth of the femoral condyles in this patient versus someone else. Uh, what I'm trying to do is understand, is there a soft tissue tension that is correlated with uh, a decrease in symptoms from side to side is there a problem? Is there crepitus suggesting that there's been maybe wear and tear on one particular region? And then I'm thinking about why did this area lose adaptability to the point where now there's a restriction or a preferential loading pattern that's obvious in that area. So rather than just saying, let's load it and forget about it, I'm trying to understand why. And, and a lot of times when you get to that why, it starts to come together a little bit more clearly. So I will explore those whole segments of the body until I have a clear understanding of the cause. And from there, we build out a strategy. But going back to that local tissue, it's not something that I'm... I'm blaming for all of the problems. And I think that's the one thing that can go wrong here is that we, we talk so much about some of the local components. And you'll hear me most of the time talk about global things, but when I do speak about something local, the tendency is to assume that 
we now need to look very heavily into the local problem. And I often do, but only in conjunction with this broader view of the body and, and thinking about the manual stuff, the exercise stuff, the education piece, and, uh, and the exercise component to make sure that we're addressing it from every single angle. One of the last pieces that I want to kind of throw in here today as we talk about the function of the, of the patella is that when we have these dysfunctions in the infrapatellar region, we really need to consider that the saphenous nerve plays a big role. The saphenous nerve comes off the femoral nerve, comes down medially, it's got innervations along the medial thigh, medial uh, uh, lower leg, all the way down to the, to the first metatarsal. But it's also going to have infrapatellar branches that come underneath and innervate the area of the patellar tendon. So someone's got jumper's knee, someone's got some of this PFPS, if you want to call it that. Uh, we need to understand the trajectory of that nerve and everything related to it. So just like I said that I'm looking at what's happening at the anterior hip in relation to patellar knee problems, we also have to think what's happening more medially. Not only that, but the innervation of the uh, adductors by, via the obturator nerve, that obturator nerve has branches going to the knee as well. So if we start to think a little bit more globally and understand the function of the region rather than just the local tissue, then it gives us a framework that will allow us to hone in on a, more, on a more local tissue without being stuck in that paradigm. And whether you're limited by time or whether you're limited by uh, your ability to assess all those structures, you really need to find a way to make sure you're looking more thoroughly at all those tissues. If you can, I guarantee you that will lead you to a much better place in terms of results. And it'll also give you a lot more information for the next patient that comes in. Because if you have accumulated data on every single patient, whether you treat that area or not, you'll be able to appreciate better what stands out as different versus many other people you've seen, and then people of that similar nature to the one that's in front of you right there. So those little bits of assessment of what's happening at the patella have had led me to being able to assess it in the actual dissection, and then the dissection has allowed me to have more clarity of what's happening in my future patients. So that's how you can take clinical knowledge, add it with more anatomical knowledge, and put it together in a package that creates a much more comprehensive understanding of the body when it comes to a problem like patella knee pain. So on that note, we're going to wrap it up for today. Please send me your questions, comments, thoughts. You can reach us at info at clinicalmastermind.com. Reach out to me at dpringle.physio on Instagram, dpringle underscore physio on Twitter. You can also check me out on YouTube. It's YouTube slash D-P-R-I-N-G-L, no E at the end. And you can also uh, comment uh, and, and share this uh, podcast with your friends. I'm looking forward to, uh, to reaching out to each and every one of you and, and engaging in some productive conversations now and uh, going forward.